0: This morning we are going to be continuing this series that I started on being wholehearted and what it means for us to be people who are wholehearted. So we... This is actually part two now. I began this two weeks ago because I wasn't here last week, so, so we're, we're catching up with part two, and since it's part two, it, it's sort of a continuation. I'm, I'm picking up where I left off, but if you weren't here two weeks ago, no worry, uh, you won't be lost because I'm, I'm not going to draw back on information that too bad you should have been here, you don't know it. We'll, we'll take this a step as it comes. Here's the quick reminder, the quick refresher of what that was, though. The 30-second recap. We talked two weeks ago about being wholehearted in light of the greatest commandment summarized in the Bible when Jesus was asked about that, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And we talked about that in ways that acknowledge that, you know, this is not so much a categorical checklist as it is an invitation to be wholehearted whole, that God created us, heart, soul, mind, and strength to be together as part of who we are, and all of those things making us whole, wholehearted before God. So we're picking up with that today, and I left us last time with a question. Right? So it, it's sort of that cliffhanger ending. And, and the thing that I left us with last time was this question, to ask God to show me the places in my life that are fractured and torn apart. That was the homework of two weeks ago. Because that's what we talked about is, is the life that is not whole. Right? The, the life that lacks or has lost wholeness somehow feels like this life that is fractured and torn apart on the inside. I mean, we know and we see the examples of all the ways that our society is fractured and torn apart, that people are divided and torn apart, but we're focusing here on something on the inside. How am I, as a person, fractured and torn on the inside, lacking or losing wholeness, that wholeheartedness? in which we've been created by God. So that was the homework last time, and and I don't know how that went for you. I gave two weeks to do it, right? So I'm just sort of wondering how that went through and what were some of the processes and, and how did that sort of uncover as you went along with that? And maybe some of those things for you then become obvious. Obvious as you begin to think through some of those ways that you see some of the symptoms of that, right? Some of those obvious symptoms of lacking wholeness. Think about this in other ways, right? Um, Medically speaking, if you fall and break a bone, you know it. The symptom is obvious, right? I mean, you, you hurt, there's pain, you know that you need to seek medical attention to make it right. In fact, sometimes with that pain, you know, you know what? This is number one priority. I cannot think about or focus on anything else until I take care of this, this symptom, like a broken bone. Or, or maybe you've experienced that in other ways, right? If, if you've ever had or are prone to migraines, you know how when a migraine comes, that just takes over everything and you can't even think about anything else except how to get rid of that migraine, turn the lights down and get rid of the loud noises and all those things that we do to try to address symptoms that go with that. Or if you've ever had a pretty bad tooth infection, you know, you get that toothache that's so bad you can't chew or bite anything and it's just all-consuming and I can't even think about or concentrate on anything else until I do something about this tooth infection. Sometimes, symptoms go that way. And maybe, maybe when I gave this kind of as a homework or exercise to think about how are our lives torn and fractured and broken on the inside, maybe that's where we immediately go first. Yeah, yeah, I know I'm broken and torn on the inside. I know the places in my life that have lost or lack that wholeness that God talks about in the Bible. Some of those things are obvious, where I want to push us today gets us into maybe the things that are less obvious right these subtle symptoms that may be there but we haven't quite dug deep enough yet to uncover that maybe you got there over the last couple of weeks you know maybe as you spent some time with that some of those things started to click in in ways where wow you know what until I took the time to think about it or address it, I, I, I really wasn't aware of some of that loss of wholeness in my life. It, it just sort of passed by. It was there, but I didn't notice. I, I didn't see it. I wasn't paying attention along the way to that, some of those things. Back in 2015 when I got cancer, right, I'm, by the time they discovered it, I had symptoms. I knew it. Something was wrong. Something's not right. But since that time, right now, now I'm on this regiment of keeping ahead of that. Having an awareness that I didn't have before of trying to catch where those changes in my health might be. Things that go along with that. Things like, yep, every six months I get a CT scan because a CT scan will catch things that I won't feel. I won't have the symptoms otherwise. Things that help with that awareness. Other pieces of awareness that came along with that ever since 2015, right, when I was going through chemotherapy and my immune system was way down, just picking up a few other things like, you know what, as much as I can, I try to bump light switches with my elbow, not with my fingers, Because I was told through that, you know what, watch what you're touching that lots of other people touch, because that's how germs get around. So bumping light switches, or trying to avoid public door handles, or, you know, I I really kind of shy away from shaking anybody's hand these days, that kind of a thing. I've been doing that since 2015, and, and here's the thing, there's an awareness to that now, but in the last several years, I can't remember the last time I ever had a cold or the flu or any kind of a a sickness that passes through germs like that. And awareness to some of these things shows up in ways that can make a difference. But when I wasn't aware, when there was no awareness to those kinds of things, then it just sort of keeps going along without really knowing. Why do I keep catching colds? Why do I keep getting sick? Why do those things keep happening? So sometimes, There are some subtle symptoms. They're there, but we're not paying attention. We're not always aware of how that works. But when we are, when we do catch it, then we can see things that make a difference. I'm looking at a passage today that comes from the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul is going to talk about this. He's talking about his own self-awareness to the symptoms that show up in his own life. Symptoms of a fractured and broken wholeheartedness. That's what Paul's going to talk about. This, this comes from Romans 7. All right, I've got to read this one a little slowly because this one, as it comes from Greek into English, is kind of a Dr. Seuss tongue twister as it comes to us. So follow along with this and we'll try to keep up with what Paul is actually talking about in this, right? So, Romans uh, Romans 7, I'm beginning at verse 14. He says this. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate That's what I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is. It is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have, I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil that I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, It is no longer I, but it is the sin in me that does it. So, I find this law at work. Although I want to be good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Self-awareness. The Apostle Paul here talking about his own self-awareness of how his own heart, soul, mind, strength is fractured, torn, broken, that he lacks this self-awareness. And it, it you sort of get this idea the way he's writing about it. And he's sort of repeating himself over and over just how much of a struggle that is. How weary at that, that must make him through that. I had a conversation a couple weeks ago with someone who's, um, who's dealing with some heart arrhythmia. And so going through the procedure to try to get that back in line. And, and I've never experienced that, so I asked him, so when that happens, when your heart goes out of rhythm, do you know it? And he said, yeah, right away. You know it when it happens because it takes away all of the energy, right? This is someone who's usually pretty physically active. And so now I can't do all those things without the energy that I had to do it before just because my heart is out of rhythm. So get that back in rhythm so I can get those things back again. right? That, that would be kind of what I started with as obvious symptom. You know something's not right there. But what you see out of that, then, is when you know it's not right, everything else seems to suffer with it, right? It consumes all the other parts of life. Paul is sort of getting at some of that, right? That that his entire life is consumed in this lack of wholeheartedness that sort of divides his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he's looking for a way to deal with that and get past that and how to be made whole again. He's trying to find that in ways that bring that together. He's noting some of those ways that he sees the division, the push apart from heart, soul, mind, strength. Do you see some of that? Are you aware of some of those ways that heart, soul, mind, strength push apart? There are some symptoms that maybe came to mind as you've thought about that over the last few weeks, or maybe coming to mind even now, as you think about how that shows up. You ever have nights where you just can't seem to fall asleep and you're tossing and turning because something is so heavy on your mind, right? Something that you're just playing over in your head over and over and over again, and now you can't sleep because of it? Something, an example there where within our mental health, of what we're thinking about, pushes at our physical health, that there's a division there, that it presses against it. It shows up that way. You recognize it in something like a sleepless night. I lose wholeness when I see something like that. Or, you ever have those issues, there's a topic or a conversation that comes up that, all right, this one's tense, and it sort of makes your blood boil, and and you feel it physically, right? Even though it's a topic and we're talking about it and it's a conversation, if it's one of those really disputed kind of topics, controversial topics, maybe you feel it physically, clenched jaw, right? Or tight fists or tense muscles that your body, your physical body, reacts to something mental in your head that there is a loss of wholeness that we're pushing apart in that way. It shows up as a symptom. Or maybe those who deal with chronic pain issues that just go on and on, or you deal with someone within your family who, who's going through issues of dementia. And some of those things as they linger on and on and on, can bring life to a place where sometimes you lose hope. You struggle to hang on to that hope and that joy of each new day, what life brings, that there's physical issues that have an impact on our spiritual health, a push and a wedge that goes there. Or maybe you've had issues with angry outbursts right? An uncontrolled anger, a rage that just sort of needs to get out from time to time. So you burst out in anger at other people, and it gives an example of the, the ways that we're dealing with things emotionally in our heart, take an expression that presses against other people in how we act and in what we do. And by the way, that uncontrolled anger, right, the The leading symptom of that is if it's pointed at other people. If you've ever had the thought or say out loud, anything that goes along the lines of, sometimes you make me so mad, that's the catch right there. Other people are not responsible for your anger. Other people do not make you mad. You make yourself mad. We are responsible for our own anger. But when we push it at other people, then we're making a wedge, right? We're pushing apart that wholeness that God created and intends for us, heart, soul, mind, and strength. The symptoms are there, aren't they? I mean, I, I've listed just a few things here just over the last minute and a half, two minutes, and I bet you just about everyone in here caught something out of that, of, hmm, you know what, I've had that. You know what, I've experienced some of that. You know what, maybe I've never thought about that before as as something that shows a lack of wholeheartedness, but it's there. I see it. It shows up. It shows up every time we blame the issue instead of a lack of wholeness. Let me explain what I mean by that. Every time we blame the issue instead of a lack of wholeness. How many times... Even within the last month, that might be a lot to think about, how many times within the last month have you thought or said out loud something that starts with the line, we just need to get past, fill in the blank, right? Something like that. Something like, you know what, we just need to get past this pandemic and this health crisis. We just need to get past that. We just need to get past this election or contentious political season. I just need to get past this semester through these classes. I just need to get past this project that I've got going on at work. Or I just need to get past this event that I'm planning or the family wedding that's all coming together. I just need to get past. All right, I'm there. I do that, I've done that, I do that plenty. We all do, right? We've all had those moments where we have blamed the issue. I just need to get past this, because that's what the problem is. Instead of acknowledging, you know what? The issue is the issue, but the problem is that I'm suffering from a lack of wholeness to be able to engage and walk through and deal with whatever the issue may be. Getting past the issue isn't gonna do it because, all right, there's always going to be another health crisis. There's always going to be another contentious political issue. There's always going to be more classes that you have to go to or more projects to do at work or more events to plan and take care. There's always going to be another issue, right? There always will be. That's not the problem. The, the problem for us is we're missing the wholeness that God designed and desired for us to have. That's what we should be looking at. That's what we should be focusing on. Several years ago, uh, my, my car was having an issue where it was out of alignment. The wheels were out of alignment. And, and here's how I knew that, because whenever I would get on the highway and get up to speed on the highway... The steering wheel starts to do this really shimmy thing and, and the whole car kind of shakes and vibrates at a high speed. And that was sort of the clue that, all right, alignment. Car needs some realignment. But you know, when I was on the residential streets by my house, as long as I don't go over 25 miles an hour, I didn't notice. I mean, I didn't see it then. So, solution easy. Just drive slow, right? That seems to be my way of thinking about cars. There's a clunk in the engine, turn the radio up. Now I don't hear it. Um, it doesn't fix the problem. So yeah, I could say, that's it. I mean, it's all residential roads, or yeah, I was that guy on the highway going 25 miles an hour, Because right? That doesn't fix it, but it sort of took out the symptom. It wasn't there. I, I don't blame the wrong thing there, or at least I shouldn't. The problem with the car was not the highway. The problem with the car is not going too fast. The problem with the car was the alignment. So I can't blame the highway for a misaligned car any more than I can blame the issue for a misaligned heart, right? Because the car, when it gets up to that speed on the highway and it's going under that high-impact pressure stress, that's where the thing that's wrong with it shows up. But it's not the highway's fault. You and I live lives where, you know, maybe day to day, we go along fine and we find ways to cope and we deal with the issues that come. But when the high-impact stress shows up, that's where the misalignment inside of us shows up. That's where we see it. That's where we notice it. That's true for every one of us, isn't it? That we have those moments. We catch it that way. Paul recognizes that. I think Paul recognizes that when he writes this passage because, well, if it it wasn't that way, if it was the issue, if the issue was the problem, then we'd have to back up and Paul would have to rewrite Romans 7 because it would be different. If the issue was the problem, then Paul would have to back up and say, you know what? We just need to get past this Roman Empire thing. We just need to get past this... Bitter division between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. If we can just get past that, then it's all good. But it's not the issue. And Paul knows that, right? He recognizes that. It's not that thing, that issue, that's the problem. Paul says, it's me. I'm the one who's got the problem because I'm broken on the inside. There's this fracture that tears me apart in heart, soul, Mind and strength. Let's dig through a little bit of how he works through this, right? How he comes to this. Because he he brings the conclusion to that. I'm going to draw this up here. Verse 24, he says it this way. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? He's looking for the answer, right? What's the conclusion out of all this? So, I get it. I recognize it. I am not a wholehearted person because I'm broken. What do I do about it? How do I fix that? Where do I go with this? Who will rescue me? Make a note out of how this passage comes to us and how this is worded. He's asking, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? That's a verse that is prone to misinterpretation. Because Sometimes there are those who maybe look at that and say, well, I mean, this is about spiritual salvation, that Paul's talking about his soul going to an eternal afterlife and his, his simple body dying away. But that's not what's happening in this verse. That's not what he's talking about in this passage. Because that would just be a further wedge, wouldn't it? Right? That would be a solution of, if I'm not whole between heart, soul, mind, and strength, let's just throw away heart, mind, and strength and keep soul. And do it that way. That's not what he's doing here. Maybe it comes that way because that's how we see it in English. The word body in this passage is the Greek word soma. Soma is body in reference to, well, a corpse, a lifeless body. We get that sometimes in English. Context decides that, right? If I were to tell you, yep, yesterday I was hiking through the woods and I discovered a body, you would know right away by the context, oh, you mean a dead body body corpse right you don't mean a live person you met someone on the trail context decides that that's what paul's after in this he's talking about a dead body that his body subject to death as he puts it in that passage in fact as that greek rearranges i think maybe a loose translation that would help understand what paul's actually saying here would be this, that he would write it this way. Who can rescue me now since I'm already as good as dead? That's what he's saying. I am so broken. I'm so torn apart. I am as good as dead. And I can't do anything about it. That's what he's getting at. I can't do anything about that on my own. And then he makes this connection, a connection between sin and his brokenness, right? So I'll back up here, backing up to verse 20. It says, now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, it's the sin living in me that does it. Hang on, though, hang on, Th- this is not an excuse. Paul's not trying to make excuses. This is not that, that classic, the devil made me do it, argument. That's not what he's after here, right? He's owning his own sinfulness, not blaming it. But he is making the connection there between sin, the sinful nature in which we all are born, in which we all live, and lack of wholeness. And it's sin that does that to us. Sin is what causes that. He goes on then. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is always right with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. God's law. I mean, we've talked about God's law. In fact, in some ways, this whole thing centers around what Jesus summarizes as all of God's law in that one command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Paul is saying, you know what? On the inside, somewhere inside of me, that's what I want, to be whole again. The way God intended and the way he created us to be. That's what he's after. But he knows that the sin in his life breaks that apart. And he wonders, what can I do about that? Because he can't get rid of his own sin. He can't take care of this one by himself. He can't fix this one. He cannot find his own way back to being whole. And that's instructive for us to remember that we can't either, right? So in all of these examples that I'm doing that set up our own lack of wholeness and, and you want to write so tell me, how do I get it back? How do I make myself whole again Yeah, we're still stuck in this place where Paul is stuck in this passage. You can't. You can't do that. There is nothing I can give you. There's no self-help here that is going to make you whole again. But starting with what Paul says, right? He answers that question, who will rescue me? And he gives the answer. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord, that he points to Jesus, to Jesus as his path towards wholeness. Only in Jesus can he find a way to be whole again. Only in Jesus can he see the solution to that because he knows that nothing that he'll do himself will do it. Nothing that he tries himself can take care of it. You get that in this passage. I've tried over and over again, but same result every time when I try it on my own. But if instead I surrender that to Jesus, Jesus, I give up. I give up. You know, I'm dealing with this broken life of division between my own heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I give up. I can't make this come back together. I can't fix this on my own. I surrender it to God. And then God comes in. God comes in. And he begins to make us whole. So it starts with that acknowledgement, that acknowledgement that says, you know what, it is my own sin that leaves me fractured and torn on the inside. It's not anybody else's fault. It's not an issue's fault. It's not something going on around me. It's not that fault. It's me. It's my sin. It's got to start there. That's where Paul goes. That's where it goes for us. It starts there. It's my sin that leaves me fractured and torn on the inside. And then once I get there, I can acknowledge only Jesus takes away the guilt of my sin. And because only Jesus takes away the guilt of my sin, then only Jesus can begin to make me whole again. That's good news for us today. Good news because as you think through all the ways that maybe you've tried to put life back together, maybe you're left in a place where you say or you acknowledge, I can't do it. You know, God could never take me because I can't put myself back together. You're right about that. You can't put yourself back together. But you're not right about the God can't take me part because that's where God steps in and says, all right, broken as you are, I'll take you. Broken as you are, I'll forgive you. Broken as you are we will start making you whole again, putting it back together. That's what Jesus does for us when we take that step. So if you've never done that, if you've never reached that point in your life where you've said, you know what, I'm just giving it to Jesus because I cannot fix this one myself, take that step. Do that one thing to give it to Jesus so that he can take away the guilt of your sin and begin to make you whole again. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of your word and the reminder that we have in there of, yes, all those ways that we have tried and tried again to find our own way through all of the brokenness in our lives and in our world. Thank you for the ways that you remind us that, yep, there's nothing we can do about that, but we don't have to because you do all the work that is needed to make us whole, to make us righteous before you, and to set our feet on that path that begins to make us whole again. So Lord, may we go from this place and acknowledging that it's not by any tricks that we work out on our own, but it's our need for you that sets us on that path. Thank you for that. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.